Hello friends, Patrick McFarlane here of the Liberty Bigly Podcast. Welcome back to another episode. Apologies for not releasing anything lately. I really went ham there for about a couple weeks, releasing like once a day for a couple weeks, and that's kind of how I am, the kind of person I am. I get really obsessed with something and then I go at it really hard, and sometimes I just don't finish or it's a, a brief flame. But I'm back at it now. I'm sitting on my front porch right now, grilling some cheeseburgers, living the, living the dream. I just had a long day at work, meeting with clients, and going over some of our medical malpractice cases. Um, so it's been a pretty busy day. But busy days are good because they go by quickly, and then you can get home to the kid. So I've been thinking a lot about something lately. Um, hence this podcast, but I've been doing a lot of reflecting on the past when I have a free moment, that is, um, but kind of reflecting and seeing in the last few years where my life has gone and how things have changed a whole lot. And this ties into libertarianism, I promise. Just let me get there. But I've been doing a lot of thinking about you know, a big part of that journey in the last few years has been basically my journey through libertarianism. And it's, I mean, it's been a long time coming, maybe since I graduated high school is when I really departed on the journey. And I've started a little secret project that isn't very secret because I can do nothing but talk about it sometimes. And I'll allude to it here. But I realized kind of in doing this project that the steps that brought me to becoming an anarcho-capitalist or a voluntarist or an agorist or a radical libertarian anarchist, whatever, choose your own label if you're a label person. Um, so I think it really starts... Well, in reflecting this process, I won't go through my whole life story here, but I think that there has, to this date, there has not been a lot written or podcasted really analyzing the actual process of becoming an anarchist or of becoming a right libertarian. So, I mean, there, it's maybe alluded to or talked about, but there's no, like, Nothing that really takes the whole thing and ties it all together. Um, doing an in-depth analysis of what, what this all means. Like, what is it? What, what does it mean? What is the process like? What is happening during this process? And, I mean, you get a lot of things like Larkin Rose's The Great, The Most Dangerous Superstition. And he'll maybe... He talks a lot about the ideas and... The This dangerous belief in authority is what the most dangerous superstition is. But I haven't really found anything that will really reflect on what what is this transition? What exactly are you giving up? And what happens to you? And what are some things that you discover when you realize that you're an anarchist? When you begin to apply the non-aggression principle and the absolutism of property rights together what 
what is happening there. And I was listening to Biting the Bullet podcast, which is a great podcast. Um, it's a bunch of ex-military guys. Maybe some of them are active duty that live in a house together. And they are all libertarians. And they started a podcast about their experience in the military, but also their journey through libertarianism. And honestly, the journey through libertarianism is kind of why I started my podcast. And so in some way, my project that I'm working on is just another step towards that end, is documenting and exploring my journey, my own personal journey through libertarianism. And I mean, there's different parts and different perspectives along the way that I definitely want to include in a project, but there's something there, something there that needs to be analyzed and something that I think a lot of people can relate to because the reason I, why I mentioned the podcast is because a lot of those guys in a, mo in a recent episode um, were talking about how they came to libertarianism through their service in the military and how accepting or really applying the non-aggression principle across the board really fucked with them and really fucked with their heads and made them really confront a lot of uh, uncomfortable truths. And, and they were talking about how certain things are ruined for them forever, like watching war movies or the 4th of July. And I honestly, I really identified with that because that's what happened to me when I started my journey a few years ago. Uh, when I really started applying the non-aggression principle and the absolutism of property rights um, consistently across all boards. And I don't know, it's, it's really a trip. And in a lot of ways, it, it changes the way that you experience the world and changes the way that you interact and feel about people in your life and about the society you live in and how it relates to you. And so I, I think that there's a whole missing that really identifies the human aspect of that process. And, and something that doesn't focus primarily on, because there's tons of books out there that focus on libertarian ideals and the philosophy itself. And who could do it better than Hans Hermann Hoppe or Murray Rothbard, or Lou Rockwell in explaining these kinds of things on a basic level. I mean, some people like uh, Larkin Rose, he, he does a really good job in, in a sense of having a more casual read. And I think like a, a casual read that's not lofty and philosophical and reads like a research paper. And for all of Murray Rothbard's uh, successes, you know, his his writing, maybe aside from Anatomy of the State, I'm not specifically talking about Rothbard, but, you know, it, it's daunting for people to pick up a philosophy book or a book about economics. And, you know, Anatomy of the State is probably his most accessible book. Maybe Bastiat would be a bit success accessible, too. But you have people like Larkin Rose that are coming out with The Most Dangerous Superstition, um, maybe... Steph Molyneux has, you know, books that are more accessible to, um, what is the word I'm looking for? A more, not theoretical audience, but a more casual audience. That's the word. And, uh, just cooking some hamburgers here. I have this portable grill that I'm using 
um, and it's really awesome, but it runs really hot and you gotta be careful because you can burn shit pretty easily. Um, so, like I said, no one has really come out with anything that has really addressed that experience. The experience of, for lack of a better term, converting to libertarianism. And this leads me to the second thing that I really wanted to discuss in this episode was, is libertarianism a cult? <laughs> because in working on this project, I realized I was using a lot of language that if people didn't know any better, they would find problematic. Maybe problematic isn't the right word, but they would find it a little culty, if you get my drift. Um, I worry about that sometimes, because I really don't feel like I'm a cultist, but yet you're spouting these ideas that in some ways are very indoctrinated sounding to people who are not part of it. And I am self-conscious about it and maybe wary of it, because it feels like you're preaching the gospel at times when you're, you're writing books about this, at least from maybe a, a layman's perspective. And maybe that's just me being self-conscious, but I recently, there's a new patron to the podcast, and I fucking love that, and I'm really appreciative of that, but I was spitballing with him on Discord today, and we were just kind of discussing these same topics, and he said, well, really what it is, is you're deprogramming people from a cult you're being deprogrammed from this process instead of having program put upon you, having programming put upon you. And um, I, that's exactly what it is. And I've heard that before, and I've felt that way about it before. Um, so, I mean, I think that's the appropriate way to phrase it, certainly, is that, well, it's not a, not a cult, it's just deprogramming from a cult and maybe to make a, a matrix analogy which i love the matrix i think people don't realize that it's a movie about anarchism but you're you're waking up from the matrix and i guess to people who to make another to go further with the matrix analogy is that if you <laughs> if you wake up from the matrix and you re have seen the real world, quote unquote, you've taken the red pill, then you're inserted back into the matrix. If you go around telling people that, hey, you're in the matrix, this is not real, you sound pretty fucking crazy. I mean, that's just the way it is. So, I mean, no, libertarianism is not a cult. There's no set of, I, I mean, there's a set of ideas, but there's no, like, um, benefactor that like a, a cult of personality worship or or it's not really causing you to do anything except serve yourself. So I think that would be the difference. I mean, there's certain figureheads within the libertarian movement um, that perhaps are a worship, you know, a cult of personality sometimes. But ultimately, no, I don't I don't think it's a cult. Um you know, I'm certain, though, that that's how people in the state would phrase it, is that, oh, you're this dangerous anarchist, or you're an occultist, um, you're 
a cultist and you're dangerous to society, but that's not really what it's about, you know? It's about non-aggression at the very heart of it and defending your property and yourself. So, what I'd really like to hear about is other people's stories, and this is mostly what I ask about when I have someone on the show, is their story about how they came to libertarianism and what it means to them. Um, I think that's really worthwhile. But as, and I've noticed this, is that there's a lot of people that have come into the liberty movement, you know, just anecdotally, it seems like since I've joined, there have been just a shitload of libertarian podcasts out there, uh, which is excellent. Um, but there's been, you know, a lot of new libertarians, and it might just be that um, my reach is expanding through social media platforms the longer and longer I do this. But it's certainly uh, encouraging, and as people kind of come into the fold, so to speak when they realize that this is a viable political philosophy, they go through a lot of the same things. And I think it'd be helpful for something for them to relate to during what I call the evangelical phase. Um, and that phase is when you, during the phase too, is when you start to realize that you can't enjoy the th certain things the way that you used to. Maybe that comes after the evangelical phase. Um, because I think you get evangelical and then after that you start to get bitter. There's like a, a high when you realize these ideas and you're very excited by them because they just seem so right and correct. So there's a high and for me that lasted about a year. Um, and then I got really bitter, very bitter, realizing I couldn't relate to people around me anymore as well. Uh, realizing that being a libertarian was kind of distancing myself from my family in a lot of ways. It was causing a lot of stress. And then feeling lonely because there's no one that feels the same way that you do, that you can relate to. Um, and then there's a lot of relief when you realize that there's other people out there that think the same way and you connect with them. But it's all kind of part of the process, and I feel like what I've noticed for a lot of newer libertarians that I've talked to through the show is that this is really a process that a lot of people go through, and they're so relieved when they find other libertarians to talk to and relate to. And that's important. I mean, it can really kind of, you know, if you don't have anyone else to talk to, it's really kind of a bad time. And so that's why, I mean, as there becomes more and more libertarians, I guess it would be behoove us to make it easier to find other libertarians. But even so, even if you can find solace in an online community, that doesn't mean that you meet people face-to-face -face who think the same way. And that's pretty damn important. So... Just a few thoughts here, I guess, about my own process of becoming a libertarian, but I'd be really interested in hearing other people's stories. I know I have through the podcast, but it'd be helpful to me to kind of analyze this factor for the project that I'm working on. So, you know how to find me and reach me. I guess you could comment on any of the social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, BitChute, YouTube, Minds, 
Um, I don't check mines very often, so don't do that. But DM me or tweet me at Twitter or Facebook message me or post on my wall or something. Or send me an email at patrick.mcfarlane at libertyweekly.net. That's how you can reach me. And uh, tell me about your story coming to libertarianism. Maybe you had an evangelical phase. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you felt isolated from the world. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you had a really hard time applying these principles across the board and accepting that there are certain things that you just couldn't see the same way again. And uh, you know how to support the show on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Liberty Weekly. And sign up for the email list. Well, who am I kidding? You guys are the Liberty Weekly elite because you're the Liberty Weekly vanguard because you're listening to the Liberty Bigly podcast, so I shouldn't joke myself. But thanks again for tuning in to another episode, and hopefully we won't let the next episode go too long in the future. Peace out.